Hello and welcome on the island. We have a very special podcast episode this week where, dare I say it, we are on the same island to record this podcast. You may not know that Tyler B. Commons and myself don't usually record this podcast in the same room. Now, I hate to give away our secrets, but that's true. We've, in fact, done this podcast at times across three different time zones when we have guests, which is pretty impressive if you ask me. But today, not only are we in the same time zone, we are in the same exact room. Ty is containing his excitement so much that he hasn't even made a noise. But I (laughs) am excited to welcome him here with me, your host, Taylor Gaines. My longtime co-host, and today we're using the same microphone. It would be statistically improbable for him to get on literally everybody's nerves, but he's done it again. Tyler B. Commons. Hooray! I'm here. I made it. Generally, I feel like I could cut my own head off and you wouldn't even care. But today, since I'm in the same room, it'll get a little bloody on your carpet instead of mine. So I just... That would be infuriating. You've already gotten pencil shavings all over my carpet. (laughs) Don't let them know the secrets of podcasting. We still use pencils and uh, ink and parchment, and we just take after the Romans over here. We're keeping time with an abacus? <laughs> That's not is what that an abacus does. <laughs> They'd probably use a sundial, but abacus is fine, too. Well, not enough sun gets in here, so just, like, I have a guy sitting in the corner, and he's counting off every second he moves the abacus. <laughs> we pay him. It's, it's pretty awesome. That's the expenses of our podcast. Okay, so this is what I just realized. <laughs> You literally record from on an island every single week. Like, that never struck me until I drove over the bridge to get to your house. Like, Taylor is literally on the island. That is true. I won't, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say about this, but technically you could say that I live on an island. And I thought you meant, (laughs) I thought you meant I recorded on an island because I pull out this folding desk each week. (laughs) To set in the middle of this room. (laughs) Your home location is on an island, not this island in the center of your bedroom. You know, when you think about it, isn't everybody's home an island? The inside of my head is an island. Mm. It's pretty lonely. (laughs) You can lay down on that couch in the corner if you ever want to just... Just stare at the ceiling and talk about what's been happening, how life's been going. That's how I feel about this episode of Survivor. I feel like I need some therapy to get through it. We do. Let's 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 dive in wherever you want to dive in. But there's a well. Since I live on an island, I can about. just go dive into the water right outside. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, this was a weird episode. I don't even know where to start, other than to say that it felt poorly edited in a way that just shortchanged the entire story to me. I mean, what was your thought on that? It. So last week we talked about the Molly blind side and Molly had to wait to hear from her friends, like exactly how that was pulled off. And I feel like that's where we are. Like we watched the episode and we saw how the voting went down and we saw like little tidbits of what was occurring over the three days, but it it was really just kind of strung and pieced together to tell a semi cohesive story. And I don't think it was, I don't think it was their best storytelling. I don't think the episode was bad, but I just don't think storytelling-wise it fit from A to B. Yeah, it felt like we didn't have 
a clear explanation of what or why was happening, what was happening or why it was happening in that Vince, spoiler alert, got voted out essentially for getting sent to Island of the Idols. That's what it felt like. And it was super weird. <laughs> Which is so unfair. He didn't have a choice. No, it. I was interested. They didn't show him drawing a new name for next week either. So it's like, is that are well, they just arbitrarily I this, sending people? I, I was going to say that the scenes from next week implied that the way the person's going to be chosen next week is going to be completely different from the way they've done it so far, which is crazy. Yeah, it, it's a twist that uh, hasn't bothered me yet. I, I've said that. Maybe it's taking too much time. Maybe it's not. Maybe this week was over-edited to look super serious. Whatever. We can get to that. But it's not It's not bothering me. It's just weird that they're changing things up already three weeks in. Yeah, and like you said, we'll talk about the island and what happened there specifically. But in the dynamics of Vince's tribe and his relationship to it, it just felt like there had to have been a lot of story we... Ah, like entirely weren't shown because as soon as he left they instantly were like well we're gonna vote him out because now he might get an idol and not acknowledging the fact that elizabeth had been there and dean not acknowledging the fact that he was presenting a split vote plan in (laughs) front of the people person specifically that he wanted to split the vote on and it was just like it felt like there were dynamics we weren't being shown to the extent that they were framing it as an all-women thing, but Vince in his post-game interviews was like, that wasn't really a thing. I was sort of the one keeping that together. Yeah, it seems like what we're getting is a story... We're getting a story that they have to produce and we have to be able to follow, but like you said, Vince said the Women's Alliance isn't really a thing. It's something he was trying to pull together and something he was trying to make work. And it sounds like the tribe is way too fragmented underneath but there's a like a candy coating shell where everybody thinks things are getting along you alluded to dean being a complete idiot and saying to everybody well let's just split the vote and it's like okay well then everyone's saying okay we'll vote vince to flush his idol who's the second person and that's where it's like oh no there's a huge divide dean foot in your mouth stop talking yeah and it was so jumbled that like even survivor advocates such as Stephen Fishback were out writing like, you know, it's really hard to judge Vince's gameplay because we didn't even get to see how he handled the return from Island of the Idols. And I felt that way about basically every dynamic we saw in this episode where they would show us something that was happening, but there would be no explanation and we would have no understanding of why it was happening, such as, which we'll talk about later, Karishma bleeding out on the beach and her tribe mates just ignoring her completely and i just didn't understand where the time went like i guess you could say it went to rob and sandra again but we just didn't have an understanding of the storytelling in this week's episode and i found it very confusing and frustrating yeah and i think they they might have known that it was going to be confusing so i will say i felt like the challenge this week lasted a long time But that could also be, it's the first time I've been invested in a challenge in a really long time. Like, I thought it was really well done, and it was entertaining, and it was new. Yeah, I think we can break down the challenge. But before we talk about that, like, what did you make of Tribal Council and what we saw? Because Vince thought 
he was okay enough to fully not play the idol that he earned mm-hmm. from his visit to Island of the Idols. Karishma was uncomfortable enough to start whispering about God knows what with people. Mm-hmm. We have no clarity on that. Aaron was fully just throwing people under the bus the whole time, just saying, we delivered them a lead. We delivered them all they needed to finish it off. And like, we have to fix that problem now. And Tom kind of being like, shut up, you guys stop whispering. And I just felt like there was so much tension that we were being shown, but there was no groundwork laid for it. And then the world that we were presented in which the girls were thinking of voting out Tom apparently didn't exist. Yeah, I think this is a much more fragmented tribe than we got to see, but they just they don't have enough time to explain everything. So they gave us the info we needed, but I think that the biggest kind of loser of that tribal had to be Tom. I think Tom, the way that at least they edited him laying around camp and just, oh, we're safe. Things are going to go my way. And then he gets to tribal and he's like, look, we got a plan. Everything's going to go perfect. Like, I'm not worried. Don't worry about it. And the way he's carrying himself, you know, Vince tried to convince us that he was the one holding the women's alliance together. This tribal, this vote could have actually solidified the women's alliance as a thing. And I think you get that from both Aaron and Tom not being willing to budge or just thinking they're safe or thinking like they're in control and top dog. I, like they're not playing it well. It might be comfortable this early on in the season. It might be comfortable this early on in the game. But ultimately, I feel like that's not going to be a stance that they continue to take. And I think it's just it's bad for their game. And maybe that's what the theme of this episode was like showing how fragmented this tribe is and then seeing something come together and something happening. Yeah, I I honestly don't know that I have that much more insightful to say about it just because we were left without so much information. <laughs> but I do feel like we lost one of the best characters of the season essentially through no fault of his own, which I guess is the second week in a row that I've said that we lost someone through no fault of their own, which is a bummer. But people are playing this game in a weird way now. And I guess they voted him out because he didn't fit in? Yeah, I think that that was kind of our cry, our theme we've had for the past few years is like, be inclusive, get more people on. And then you think about this episode and the people that were considered. I don't know if Tom was ever really considered, but... Tom, the old man, Karishma, the slightly older Indian woman. I never would have guessed she Vince. was older than everyone else. No, but you see these three people representing three different groups. And Vince even talks about in his interview with um, Hollywood Reporter, he wanted to make it far with a kind of minority, a woman of color. And like that was his platform. He wanted to do it. So we see this show trying to do things so well, but for some reason the cast decided, oh, well, the old dude, the Indian woman, and the, I I don't remember exactly what race he is because it's a very small island. I, I don't quite remember exactly what he was, but you see those three people being isolated, and I think that's when Survivor's at its worst, and I, I think that was a small glimpse of what we got this episode even though before this the first two episodes haven't been quite as bad this episode really seemed to isolate those people 
Hmong people. I believe it's Hmong people, ethnic group in East and Southeast Asia. Very mm-hmm. small group, but yeah, it is really unfortunate when that happens. And the unfortunate thing about this episode, and I'm not going to go too deep into this culture war side of things, but like <laughs> it felt like not only was that happening subconsciously with the majority group, the minority group was feeling sorry for itself because of the position they were in, particularly Karishma was kind of just like, this is impossible. I can't do this. I don't fit in. And I felt like it was such a strange editing choice to frame her in that way. But it was really interesting because early on, we see that girls alliance, which may or may not exist, like playing in the ocean. And she's like, well, I'm an Indian woman. I can't go swimming in my underwear and be this and be that and be, you know, I have to live up to this. But she was like breaking out of that. And then to end the episode with her being pushed into a corner as no, you're this, you tried, but you're not really this was weird. Yeah. It's a tough look and losing Vince is tough. And the other thing I I think we should talk about Island of the Idols. It's tough to lose him in a way that felt so stupid and meaningless to me (laughs) because he, like we said, got chosen randomly, was framed for that, and spent an entire 24 hours away from his tribe, which he did get an idol that he could have and I guess should have played. But you could make an argument, and I think Stephen Fishback made this joke too, is that Rob and Sandra convinced him to keep calm in a way that kept him so calm that he got himself voted out. Yeah, I don't I don't know about these lessons that people are learning or, uh, or whatever they these, might be. These lessons die. It's a it's an entertaining portion of the show. Like Sandra teaching him how to army crawl on the beach. I, as I was watching it, I was like, this is so stupid, but I was also like, this is so great because for anyone that doesn't like sit back and analyze the show the way we do, like this is entertaining. This is funny, this is whatever. And these lessons, though. Right, the lessons... What, what are... So the, we, the first week, it was a lesson on how to, t- to make fire, which apparently Elizabeth did not take to heart because the next week, her tribe was struggling to make fire and she just was watching. Mm-hmm. Last week, it was memorizing facts about people when they tell them to you, which, <laughs> okay, at least, like, you have to listen to people in Survivor. But this week was sneaking into the opposing tribe's camp and stealing fire from their campsite bringing it back to Rob and Sandra and earning an immunity idol. What relevance does that have to anything that's ever happened on Survivor or will ever happen on Survivor? That's like, hey, we're going to go give you a day of astronaut training, spin around in this G-Force machine, and if you make it back, you'll get an immunity idol. <laughs> like, it had nothing to do with the show, and it was, sure, entertaining, but, like, this is a similar complaint that I've had in previous seasons where sometimes they just do things that are imported from different shows. Like, if I want to watch Big Brother, I'll go watch Big Brother, but I want to watch Survivor. (laughs) And at least if you're going to teach lessons, don't run out of lessons by episode three. Like, flesh out more of a thing to play. Like, it was just insane. Like, I guess we're open now, at least, where next week they can just be like, hey, go try on a suit at the tuck store and whichever one fits you you'll get to there'll be an idol on the inside of it yeah i i think that 
it feels like there's not enough big lessons to learn. Like this felt totally arbitrary, but I will say it felt somewhat like Rick Devins having to get that idol from up in the tree in the middle of camp when he had to wake up last season and sneak around and like find it. So it's almost well, at least that's it's like arbitrary, but it's at also, least that's somewhat inherent to the gameplay where people are constantly searching for immunity idols on their beach. Yeah. So like they would wake up and be like, oh, he probably found an idol. But if you woke up and there's someone from the other tribe just in your camp, which, by the way, I thought Andy Dennard actually made a really good point in his column on realityblurred.com this week about how those people probably never had a realistic chance of catching him mm-hmm. because there are so many production people constantly roaming around and filming things at night and just like generally making noise <laughs> that they probably they might have even looked at him and thought oh look a producer and gone back to sleep yeah like there almost was even less risk than we would have thought probably <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's definitely one shot where someone on the end of the cot woke up and, like, looked directly into the camera and was like, uh, I'm being filmed while I sleep. This is normal. I'm going to go <laughs> yeah, back to exactly. sleep. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was like, that's not normal, but I guess it's a TV show. At least we did get that moment, one of the most terrifying moments in years of Survivor, of Tommy having a full-fledged nightmare. <laughs> and just, like, screaming. And everyone like, it's okay, it's okay, wake up. <laughs> That was something. That would be really scary to go out there and, like, you're already uncomfortable and sleeping, and then someone to be like, oh, by the way, I have night terrors. Um, I might kick you in the mouth. Like, <laughs> yeah. it was, that was pretty terrifying. He joked on Twitter that he was dreaming of pineapple pizza. <laughs> Tommy, love that guy. And like we said, all that aside, there's this inherent disadvantage of even being sent to the Island of the Idols, where all of a sudden you're a target, apparently. So, good luck going forward. I can't wait to see what lesson we have next week. <laughs> Ugh, it's going to be like, there's been gold spotted on the opposing tribe's <laughs> beach. You must go dig up this gold and return it. I'd be, yeah, I'd be really interested to see if they stop giving away idols and start giving away advantages in the challenge. Like, instead of having to have three keys in a bag, you have two keys in a bag. Or something that you can win for your tribe. So you leave and it becomes sketchy, but it's also like, oh, I'm back and I actually help the tribe get ready. Yeah, something that would actually help the tribe more than just the person, I guess. Mm -hmm. And God knows how long this like lie is going to keep up because eventually so many people are going to get sent there that half the castaways are going to know Rob and Sandra are there. Yeah. But like you said, the challenge was really interesting. And... The fact that we spent, according to Andy, 8 minutes and 57 seconds with Rob and Sandra, again, about 20% of the episode, we're at 19% for the season. We've spent 28 minutes out of 2 hours and 29 minutes with them. And I didn't time it, but the challenge this week was probably very long, too. Mm-hmm. At least it was a good one. Yeah, it was it was really awesome, and I actually loved the way it started out. You and I were talking about this before we hit record. You have an Olympic swimmer doing a swimming leg, 
and it's like, oh, well, she's gonna win. And then you're like, oh, wait, we have a lifetime lifeguard. Like, she does ocean swimming. Janet's keeping up. I know. Can you imagine being able to go home and be like, I swam a race against an Olympic swimmer, and I kept up pretty well. I wouldn't want to go home and say that, because I would have been, like, back at the platform still. (laughs) Yeah, I really got a kick out of that, because I kind of went through that exact realization as I was watching. I was like, good luck against an Olympic swimmer, Janet. And it was like, oh, my God. (laughs) This is happening. And it was just really exciting. It reminded me of that old show, Shaq versus whatever. <laughs> and the balance beam was cool. Like, I liked the creativity of that, having to, like, work together as a team to get across and make sure you get the bags down. And mm-hmm. and the last person up had to be the one to get the bag from each side. So, like, you had to go over or around. I mean, both tribes did two separate things. I- I mean, this is super rare for us. We never talk about the challenges, but it, it was like really entertaining and they had like a hanging fish puzzle, which... Well, so <laughs> this is the other reason I wanted to talk about the challenge because boy was Karishma bad in that challenge. And I guess you can also blame Dean because he was kind of hiding from being bad. Oh my gosh. Because they were doing it together and he was just kind of standing off to the side the whole time. I don't know that Dean did literally anything this episode except shoot himself in the foot. (laughs) But they really, again, the editing seemed just very unfair to Karishma this episode. Like, they made it look like she was just clueless. She just kept putting pieces up that wouldn't work. She'd put them down. Dean just kept standing off to the side. Everyone else was just blaming Karishma for what was happening. Mm -hmm. And it was, like you said, this continued alienation of charisma and it tied in with what had happened earlier in the episode where she cut herself and no one seemed to care no she's sitting here saying i i can see my bone oh my gosh this is bad she like walks away faints i'm gonna need to see medical and literally everyone's just standing around the fire talking like if anyone gets hurt aren't you gonna feel some emotional like empathy on just a general human level of like oh this person is bleeding out i should help them no didn't seem like an editing trick either because she was furious in her interview Mm -hmm. about feeling like she hated everyone now and that makes me think that was very real and i don't understand why everyone was being so mean Yeah, she's feeling very isolated, and we got to see exactly why she feels isolated. She injures herself, and no one cares. Yeah, I mean, that was a really tough look. Speaking of just people ganging up on people who aren't like them, to have Karishma be left out in the cold like that in a very literal way Mm -hmm. was just really hard to watch, and... Again, tying in with the larger theme of this episode just being weird and non-sequitur-ish was like, why do they not like her? Has has she done something to them? Did she vote against them? Did, did we miss something? Like, I remember in the first episode, they showed her in Tribal and Rob and Sandra were impressed. You were impressed. Mm-hmm. I think she knows how to play the game. I just think that this is where it might get a little dicey. It feels like... Any moment she feels a little isolated is tenfold in her brain. You know, it feels like there might be, what's the phrase? Don't make a mountain out of a molehill. It it feels like there might be molehills and she sees them as huge mountains. You know, like just even playing, I talked about this earlier, her playing out in the water with the rest of the girls during the girls' alliance. Like she felt uncomfortable and made that a bigger deal than anyone else did. Like she was the only one feeling uncomfortable 
that she was, you know, out there messing around, having girl time, whatever that is. And she made it, even that, her inclusion, inclusion, she made sound isolating. And I, I don't know what to do with that. I, I put up barriers like that in my head all the time, too. So I understand where she's coming from. But it, it's, it's tough when you feel like clearly she's in an all-girls alliance because she went over and she whispered, I think it was to Chelsea during Tribal, and made something happen or just confirmed that it was Vince and not her. I'm not really sure. But she feels a lot more vulnerable than I think she actually is. And, and that's kind of the hardship is like how much of this is her perspective being shown and how much of this is reality of the girls don't actually dislike her. Yeah, it was. this is weird territory because I remember writing at some point that it feels like she is playing too much by the rules almost, where Vince was annoyed with her because she refused to throw out a name, where he's like, just tell me who to vote for. And she's like, oh, you know, as long as it's not me. And she seemed from that glimpse of things to be trying so hard to not upset or anger people that everyone was kind of viewing her as like not even a player Yeah, because it didn't seem like she was as much in danger to go home as she was to just be not taken seriously. And she had the quote about feeling like an audience member to the girl's sorority. And it's like you said, feels somewhat self-inflicted but it also in that blood scene feels like it's exacerbated by the fact that her tribe mates are just not there for her yeah it's very real but it's it's i don't think it's to the level that she's perceiving i think if she maybe believed that those girls wanted to work with her and want to use her and you know we might see this in the future barring a swap coming soon you know we might see the people like aaron and tom and dean just being picked off one by one because they're not in the girls alliance so maybe it's going to take something like that for her to gain that confidence i'm not really sure but it does seem it doesn't like, feel good for her right now it feels like her and nora are probably the two people that i'm like oof, they just are out of it already yeah and and i mean that stinks because i don't know that she's a bad player but like you were saying if you're if you're not willing to throw somebody under the bus, people are going to throw you under the bus. So she, she needs to step up her game a little bit, I think. So there's one other confusing thing in this episode that we sort of glossed over at the Island of the Idols. And this is a little technical and production side of things. But when Rob was explaining the challenge to Vince where he had to go steal the fire... You can see clearly when he's talking to him, he says, Tonight you must sneak into the other tribe's camp and steal fire by lighting this torch. And then all of a sudden it switches to showing the other tribes showing the other tribe's camp, and then the sound changes to Robin voiceover, and he says, You're gonna have to get so close to them, it's a big time risk. If they don't have fire, you're gonna have to figure out how to bring us proof somehow. And then it cuts back to Island of the Idols and shows him talking to Vince saying, if you return with fire, you get an immunity idol, blah, 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 blah. And the simple explanation for the ADR moment there is like, they didn't actually have the backup plan of, hey, if the fire's out, do this. And you can tell from Jeff's interview because he said, 
to Entertainment Weekly, the part that kept me up late at night was wondering if Sandra and Rob would honor the ash as an acceptable completion of the test. So I don't understand why they would frame it that way rather than show us Vince being smart and improvising in the moment and instead framing it as if he knew he could do that the whole time where they're out in the press saying that that wasn't the case. Like, what story are you telling us and why is it so confusing and unclear? This episode just felt that this was an embodiment of what felt like the entire episode to me. Well, CBS felt it owed an explanation to its viewers, which is weird to say, but like, if he gets there and it's raining and there's no fire, Vince is going to do the best Vince can do, but they need to make that clear to us that, well, okay, he's failing the test, but he's doing the best he can. And it, it was just, you're right. It was a super weird edit. And obviously they had Rob go back and record something, you know, when he went back to his little house at Ponderosa or wherever he's actually staying. But uh, yeah, it, it's confusing and it, it didn't quite make sense, but it, I mean... It was fun. Mad props to Vince for sneaking in there and getting ashes or whatever it is. Like, he, I mean, he had to be resourceful. But yeah, it's the editing and the storytelling and everything this episode just seemed a little convoluted and nonsensical. So, Ty, we're three weeks in. The first week we lost Ronnie, the poker player. Second week we lost Molly, the new Parvati, apparently. <laughs> and this week we lost Vince. I feel like there's a pretty clear correlation between episode length and episode quality so far, where the first one was extended and I thought it was pretty good. And the second one, I didn't think it was as good. And I felt like they just kind of did their cliche, like, here's dumb people getting blindsided kind of edit in the easiest way they knew how. And then this week, as we've talked about, was just a mess. What's your stock of the season so far? I'm still enjoying it. I'm still enjoying the cast, and I think they're doing... I think they're more pointedly doing the cast interviews about the people rather than about the game. Obviously, they're using people as storytelling for the game, but they're they're not talking in the same way about the game being, like, the center focal point. We're getting to learn who these people are. Yes, episode one is great. We've been asking for 90 minutes. I know a few seasons ago we joked about them having like just 24-hour live feeds somewhere on the internet that you can go and watch and even all the boring lazy parts. And maybe that would help with storytelling this episode or this season. I'm enjoying it. I'm still enjoying it. I like that I got to know who Vince was. Voice crack and everything. Uh, Molly, I feel like Molly was good, but... That's only because everyone else told me she was good. I didn't really get to know that she was good inside the game. And it's hard to find that balance of, well, who are these people? How is their gameplay? Like, those two things feel like they're in opposition when I think they need to work together. And I don't know practically if you can do that as well in 42 minutes as you can in 62. I will say, despite my misgivings about the people who have gone home, in that specifically I think Molly and Vince have a lot more to offer, mm-hmm. I'm glad that we're past Edge of Extinction for now, at least, because it really adds to the intrigue to lose people that you think are interesting and be like, wow, I wish I could see more of them, rather than having to watch them do whatever the hell they did on Edge of Extinction for that whole season. So I'm okay with that part of it. But I don't know. There's also been the weird changes of like Elaine being the clear MVP of week one and then disappearing for the last two weeks. 
So yeah. I, I just, they've presented a very uneven story so far. Mm-hmm. And I think it's tough. I think, I think Elaine probably is still one of the more entertaining people out there if her personality is her personality like we heard in week one. But at this point, you have to you have to create the picture that's going to set you up for the merge or the tribe swap or whatever. And I think that's what we're doing. I think we're learning a little bit about these people and who they are and who they're going to get to work with. And for that, mad props. But like, like you said, this episode was a little bit more disappointing than the last episode. Last episode was a little bit more disappointing than the premiere. But I still... I a still, downward trajectory. I still have hope, though. I still think this can be a good season and have a winner that we're not like, oh, that came out of nowhere. I sure hope so. The one thing that has been conspicuously consistent so far has been the edit of one Tommy Sheehan, if you ask me. And I think this is probably a good way to transition into our power rankings because I have Tommy at number three for this week. Even though he didn't really do anything, we didn't see much of that tribe, I still felt like they are just making time for him in a way that feels very winner's edity to me, where they're just like, yeah, here's some stuff from Tommy this week. And also, let's not clarify that Tommy was the one having a nightmare. We don't want anything negative about sweet, sweet Tommy. (laughs) I I mean, I like Tommy, and he was one of my preseason favorites. I think you had him in your preseason final three. And this is nothing against him or his gameplay, because it seems like he's doing a good job and making real connections with a lot of people, but it just seems like the editing is weirdly Tommy-sided right now. Yeah, and I, I'll go more into that, because I don't have him at three, but he's in my power ranking. So I'll talk about mm. him a little bit more in a minute. But for my number three, if you shorten that name a little bit, I put Tom, and you might be like, why the heck would you like, pick Tom? Wait, didn't I say that Tom looked the worst earlier on that he, tribe? He did, but for this episode, this is one where I'm not doing an overall thinking about his position in the season. He was confident enough to walk into tribal, to have his way, to cross his arms, to do everything. He knew he was safe. The only person that voted for him was the guy going home who was on the outside. And like you said, we barely got to see anything from the Vokai tribe. I was sitting here thinking like, well, who's going to, who could I even put on the list? I know they're safer because they weren't in tribal, but like power rankings, how am I going to throw them? And Tom walked into tribal confident, not feeling like he was going home. Uh, Maybe a little bit controlling Aaron and Dean. So he's got his little group of three. I think he needs a tribe swap or something to save him long term but i think this episode was downward trajectory for him but it showed that he was comfortable at this point in the game a weird mix yeah he seems very comfortable mm-hmm. too he'll, comfortable he'll, <laughs> too comfortable yeah i don't have him in my top three but he's been okay so far it's interesting that I heard someone reference him as a physical liability either this week or last week, mm-hmm. and he's a former professional hockey player, so they might need to be a little more careful about where they go with they that criticism. They said he was strong, but he didn't have endurance anymore, which kind of happens That's, when you're 60. Hey, and no shots at hockey, but you're playing like 60-second shifts at a time, maybe even less, so it's, it's like not fo- really an endurance sport. It's like football. You have a 12-second play. It's actually, I read a good analogy. It's kind of that horrible, horrible middle ground between like a 100, 200 meter sprint and a mile run. 
<laughs> it's like it's like you're running the 800. Like apparently that's what playing hockey's like where you're like you kind of have to go out and go all out all the time, but it's also not short enough that it's comfortable to do so. <laughs> anyway, my number 2 is Chelsea. I think again, she has an immunity idol. She appears to be in whatever the power group is on the Lyro tribe, whether it's women or not. She seems to be a decision maker, but not viewed as too threatening. There's a teaser next week that she might fall in love with Dean, which is dangerous. Helpful for me. <laughs> but we'll see. That She's my number two. Yeah, and I actually have Chelsea at number two also, because she seemed to be the head of that all-girls alliance, which is the majority of the losing tribe right now. And if they stick with the all-girls alliance and she is the head and she still has her idol, I don't see her going home for a while. So for that reason, I had her at number two. Well, then I guess I know who your number one is. You do. I'll do my number one before yours because it's less less exciting. But number one for me, uh, Tommy, like Taylor said, even when nothing's happening around him, we're getting to see, oh, let me go see what Tommy thinks. Let me find out. And someone is going and talking to Tommy, and everybody seems to like Tommy. And he, like you said, it feels like he's getting the winner's edit, but also last season we felt like Rick Devins was getting the winner's edit. And, and before Christian that, Hibiki. Christian Hibiki is getting it. So I, who knows? The storytelling is ever-changing in Survivor, but right uh, now... And the famous Chris Underwood winner's edit from last season. <laughs> hmm, such a good edit. We got, what, 40 minutes of a winner's edit for him? But yeah, for that, I have Tommy at number one. My number one? Team Janet! Janet! Janet, damn it. In the good place, number one. (laughs) I just, like I said, you hold your own in a race against an Olympic swimmer. Thrilling. You continue to just skate under the radar and avoid the classic survivor trope of let's vote out the old person. And I actually thought there was a moment this week that was really impressive where someone went to her and said, yeah, Dan sure is annoying. Like, you said you don't really like him, right? We should maybe get rid of him. And it made me feel like she's actually in a position of power in that tribe where people were coming to her saying, this is what I want to do. What do you think, Janet? And I just am a big fan. Yeah, she's she's playing well. And like we saw in week one, she got herself out of that old woman whole corner whatever you want to call it by saying no you got to step up and you got to stand out as doing something positive and she did it she started fire with bamboo in week one when there was no flint or anything and immediately she like she's still playing off that she stepped up and did the solo leg in the challenge like i think you're exactly right people like her personality and she's not a liability physically which i think is a big a big thing for her yeah, and I will say that my concern putting together the power rankings this week and with Vince going home is that I don't know that we have a lot of personalities here. Like, I'm looking at the list of the cast, and Elaine, who hasn't been seen in a couple weeks, is maybe the only one I would describe as having a very interesting TV personality. Mm-hmm. Like, Karishma's interesting, but then, like, you have a series of people. I'm just going to... I don't a series of people with what we've seen so far that have just been kind of whatever, like Elizabeth, Missy, Dean, Tom, Aaron, Chelsea, Lauren, Kelly, Jason, Jack, Jamal, Dan, like 
all of those people have little nuances going on, but most of them are just kind of, all right. Yeah, they're not, it's not like super entertaining out there. You're not going to get Christian-esque where someone wants to sit and talk to Jeff Probst for three hours. Like, we don't have those personalities, but I, dynamics are changing. Anytime a group loses people, someone's going to step up and be a bigger personality. Someone's going to get uh, more time devoted to them in the edit. You know, we might see something from Chelsea being the leader of that girls' alliance. Aaron might make it out of this tribe and team up with jack or something i have no idea they might go for a guy's thing i but yeah i mean from them you're not seeing as much entertaining you're seeing strong personalities but not entertaining personalities is i think probably the easiest way that i would say to put it this season so there you have it we're getting right into the mid chunk of the season now where things start to whittle down but we're not quite to the merge yet i'm sure we'll get a random tribe swap soon yeah, I mean, it feels like it's coming. Probably after, I'd say, one or two more vote-outs, and then it, we're going to be right there. So uh, things are heating up. Hopefully we'll get a little more invested in some of these people, but I still have high hopes about this particular cast. And my main concern continues to be Robin Sandra, I guess. <laughs> Both in stealing screen time and in isolating people from their tribes. Hey, they won Fishback's Fishy Award this week, so <laughs> they did. You know, it had to, they're doing something out there, right? And if Twitter is to be believed, they are actually living out there. Color me skeptical. No way. They're going to go live outside for 40 more days right after. I mean, I doubt either of them is going to make it very far because everyone knows who they are. <laughs> but like, there's no way they're making them live hey, there. Hey, in theory, everybody's going to know who everybody is. 40 winners? Or, sorry. <laughs> 20 winners, season 40? Yeah. I don't know. I'm excited. Excited. It's been good so far. Yeah, it's it's this is a weird survivor spot to be in where I'm unequivocally so much more excited for the following season <laughs> than the one that's currently on. Mm. But it's keeping me entertained, Ty. Keep me entertained. It kept me entertained having you in the room with me. How'd you feel? It was good. I appreciate that you could invite me uh, not only back on the podcast, even though I guess I'm the co-host, but like literally we are on the island in Florida. It's crazy. I can't get over this. I can't get over it. I just, the <laughs> fact that I put that together, so proud. Well, there you have it. A live episode for the first time in years. I mean, we used to do it in my apartment up in Gainesville. I don't, I couldn't tell you the last time we did a live episode. It's, it's been three or four years. Let's see. I moved away two and a half years ago. So yeah, it's probably been at least three. Wow. Really remarkable stuff. Thank you to Yeti Blue Microphones. <laughs> Not our sponsor, but we thank them either way. <laughs> thank you to everyone for listening. Go write us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Listen on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us there on the Island Pod on Twitter. For Tyler B. Commons, I'm Taylor P. Gaines, and I'm pretty sure even Tom Cruise couldn't handle this. Recording a podcast, that is. Hey, he doesn't live too far away from here. He's right down the road in Clearwater, as far as I know. Oh, is he in the giant compound? Scientology Center, bro. <laughs> What a crazy place. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time. Oh, wait, oh, wait, oh, wait. Bye. Bye.
gotta talk about the soul if you wanna live here on the island. And you're gonna survive when you're gonna be a living a life on the island. And you're living a survivor on the island. I'm not good at making these things up as well. <laughs> that is uh, again. Well, you give it a shot, Ty. <laughs> this is a test of Taylor's microphone broadcast system. Please pick up my voice. Maybe my voice has changed in the last few years. Maybe. Who knows? We might have to lean. I mean, I'm not going to speak for like two minutes anyways, so. You're mostly just going to pitch in and say. There doesn't have to be a Skype recording this week.